0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Fantastic show today with Danny McNeely. Danny is just an absolute runner and just a true joy to talk to. And the 31st American-born African-American woman to break the three-hour mark in the marathon. We just had such a great conversation today. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you to John G for sponsoring this episode. If you haven't checked out John G yet, please do. You can save 15% by using code Rambling at JohnG.com, and you get a five-year run guarantee on all their apparel, and it's just the best stuff in the world. I wear it for my easy runs all the way up to an ultra marathon. And I just trust it completely. So go to John and use code rambling to save 15% today. Now let's get into my conversation with Danny McNeely. All right, Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. You just had a huge weekend out in Chicago. So first of all, congratulations i mean shoot going sub three is a monumental task and i'm just i'm just basically i'm just so happy for you like that's such a big deal
1: i'm happy for me too <laughs> Deleted.
0: yeah that is sure so you're coming to us from brooklyn new york today so when you went out to chicago marathon does there like do you go solo you've done this plenty of times you're a six-star abbott finisher do you go like with a crowd usually do you go uh, solo no. to these things or how do you how do you roll into a marathon like that
1: uh chicago well chicago was my first marathon and i was i went with my then boyfriend but i've been going to chicago every year since 2013 minus 2017 because i was euro tripping and that got expensive and covid but i go every year whether or not i'm running just because chicago is my second favorite city and i have a lot of like i have like running connections, friend connections, college connections, high school connections, people I met in Chicago. So I like, that's home away from home. Everybody knows that when I go to the city, like that's my city. Like it, people don't even ask if I'm coming because they expect to see me. It's like that, I am a staple now.
0: <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. All right, before we get into the race, what about, I like, guess, before, before we get into your race, I should say, and then after that, we'll go the chronological thing and talk really about your journey as a runner But before we get into that, what about the Chicago Marathon makes it so special? I mean, you've been to so many marathons in the past. So what about Chicago Marathon, besides just your personal connections to the people and the city, really make it so special for you?
1: Well, you can't discount the city itself because Chicago is actually like, yeah, everybody, ooh, cold, windy city. But the time of year that it falls during, it's like late. It's technically fall, but it's still, it can be warm during the day, a little crisp at night, but it's literally beautiful. Like fall is always beautiful. And I might be biased because it's my favorite season, but architecturally speaking, it's beautiful. Historically speaking, it's beautiful. The people are friendly. The course The course is basically flat. Like they have rollers, but they're very gentle rollers. And the course energy is amazing because you have people out there at Every step of the way, there aren't any really dry pockets. People are out there. And that's what I like about the course. And it's a circular course. So you end and start in the same place. It's not like I got to go to the back of God's neck to start end or end. So it's, that's why I like it.
0: I mean, I like that. talk, talk to me about the, uh, the feeling, like, the feeling on the race course from a fan's perspective. So a lot of people, you know, watch Chicago, but obviously viewing it from afar that doesn't tell the story. So, again, as, as an experienced marathoner, I guess, talk to me more about what the fan interaction is like and if there's any races that you would compare it to.
1: Um, From a fan perspective, like, I've only been at maybe, well, one the main spot I go to when I'm in Chicago, I chair with 3Run2, which is one of the, ma- the more prominent crews out there. And they're at mile 21 and it's like a whole, basically a party at mile 21 confetti. They have the tent set up. They have the DJ, they have the snacks out. It It's great. Um, But that's not to say that there aren't other stations like that. Cause I do know other crews that come out, but it's definitely fun at that location. And in other locations, just in general, Chicago, the way the route is set up, it's actually much easier to get around and navigate and see people at different spots. Like, for example, you can see people in New York at no more than like two spots just because of the way the course is set up. And especially if you're trying to track faster runners, you're only going to see them at one location. But Chicago, the way it's rooted, you can see them more than once. Um, Boston, you're only seeing them once. Uh, Tokyo, if you have friends out there, you're only seeing them once. Berlin, you're only seeing them once. Uh, what's the other one? London. Yeah, London. I think I might've seen some people once or twice. Like, it's, it's, it's harder to get around. Chicago makes it super easy.
0: Oh, that's great. And it's from a, when as a runner, mm-hmm. when you compare, like, you know, I guess we'd we'll say, what's been the best fan experience for you, like, as a runner, like, what, what fan, what, um, that, that, that's a really awkward way of phrasing it, but like, no, no, a no. Runner, Chicago,
1: London, New York.
0: Okay, got it. In, in any particular best, order, or is best, it just like that's the top tier?
1: The top tier, because people are out, out, um out for Boston, even from the sticks, but even then, it's just like. I still think it's uh underwhelming. Like I don't really rave about, for example, like the girls screaming at Wellesley and giving kisses. Like I don't care about that. Like that's frivolous to me. Um, Tokyo, they are. I would say that Tokyo Marathon in terms of cheering, it's very quiet. Like you see, like the excitement in their eyes, but I think it's a cultural thing for them to be like. You see them cheering, very quiet, but it's just like the loudness and the energy. It's not really there.
0: Yeah, Kafuzi was saying the same thing. I was talking to Mike Ko, Kafuzi, you might know from from YouTube, which is all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was saying the same thing that he he was so excited to run it, but he was just so surprised. No, no, no. Just
1: they're, they're very like you could see the excitement, and they're happy to cheer for you. But right. if you're expecting screaming and yelling, you're in the wrong place. That like, and
0: yeah, and they love the marathon in Japan. I mean, that is one of the uh, biggest I, marathon crazy, I, you know.
1: Can't relate. Tokyo was a great city. I thought that race, pardon me, was boring as hell. I could have broken three in Tokyo. I gave up halfway because I was bored. Like, you really? saw, my, my splits were consistently like 640 something, 640 something. You saw 14, 714. I gave up because I was like, this is driving me insane.
0: Like, wow. It's, yeah. When I said that, I meant it more as like in terms of like they're running. The running prowess at the top end, like they're oh. like they're elite marathoners and half marathoners, are like they're like you know, you get like you know, some of the East African countries, and then yes. Japan is like right behind them in terms yeah. of like their high end stuff. And like, I was watching one race online, it was like I think it was like 65, it was like 65 dudes in one race broke 65 seconds in a half marathon.
1: I think like it was insane. Low key, and I don't follow. I don't follow sports, and I don't even follow the sport I do. But I feel like, in terms of like Japanese running, it's almost quite as kept how good they're getting, just a little bit because you don't hear a lot of talk about it. But yeah, it's especially in the US,
0: especially yeah. except except I guess the the one breakthrough was Yuki when yes. he run when he won Boston in two thousand
1: eighteen. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah,
0: that's for sure. All right, so you just hinted at like your experience at um at uh tokyo you're going into chicago you have big goals breaking three is an enormous goal right as we right so it's like for people who don't know we call it sometimes we talk about the list the list being 28 u.s born african-american runners have broken three that's a that's a a, a minuscule number but it's it's an august group of people it's not
1: 28 now it's it's
0: not 28 now
1: well i'm number 31 so oh gotcha
0: yeah so So, thank
1: you thank you for the correction Yeah, it's thirty-one now. I mean, it depends on when you were reading like publications. It was then twenty-eight, but with my performance in Chicago, I am now thirty-one.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'll keep that in. Um I was like, should I edit this out? My my mess up like no, I'm gonna keep my mess up in.
1: No, not at all. I don't think it's worth editing because it's still not like commonplace knowledge because even when you talk about it with people and when I post it on like various social platforms, people like 31st, like 31st place. I'm just like, no, 34th American born black woman. And people have to actually stop and process that. Like there's a lot of marathons. There's a lot of people in even one marathon. And for you to be number 31 over like however many years, that's insane. That's insane.
0: Right. For sure. And I think I was stuck in my head at 28 because I know in March, we saw a lot of articles coming out about the list yeah. and that was when the number was 28. And it's just like, in my head, it's just like stuck in that, at that number. Yeah. But thank you for correcting me. 31. Yeah. Again, like you said, like for all intents and purposes, it's all the same in terms of like not as many people as you would think. So to mm-hmm. get into that, 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 uh, that august group of women who have done that, first of all, congratulations. And thank when you. did you become aware, um, you know, that I guess, that that list was out there in terms of like what that number was, not just what the number was, but like the how um, comparatively speaking, how, how small it was and whether, and, and I guess your drive to maybe get your name on that list.
1: Okay. So <laughs> this is a very funny, like it, this is over years. So I learned about the list. um What was this? Like five years ago, because one of the people on the list is Marilyn Bevins amazing amazing beautiful lady I met her in 2018 and I met her like a couple of times after that um and you know just her speaking as like a pioneer female marathoner in general and just like being in the sport as a black woman um and I have to say that it's like oh that's cool I'm one of those people and as crazy as it sounds it I don't I care about how fast I am but to me Speed is relative, and I don't really introduce myself to people, even in the run. It's like, hey, I'm fast. I don't care about your times because to me, there's no asterisks next to my name. My medal is not shinier. We get the same medal. We are printed in the same finishers book when, and we covered the same distance. I perform at my level. You perform at your level. You heard at your your level of fitness. I heard at my level of fitness. Because at the end of the day, who cares? Because like, oh, what did you do? Great. What did you do? Wonderful. All right, let's go grab a beer. No one cares. No one cares. And that's what it is. We're all unified by doing something which is borderline masochism. But, you know, that, that's, how it, that's what it means to me. Like, I didn't... I don't care about it so much to the point where I didn't hang on my medals until I got my six star.
0: Gotcha. I love that because oftentimes, as, as we all know, comparison trap, you know, it can be the thief of joy, not just on race day, but in every in part of the training cycle. However... Part of that comparison trap isn't even external. There's the internal part too, right? Of like, all right, comparing myself to previous versions, to previous cycles, or for some people is like something that can really trip them up is, am I maximizing my potential? Am I getting to where I think I can be as a runner? Did you ever have any of those thoughts along the way?
1: Um, I know I'm not maximizing my potential. And I'll tell you why I'm not. Because I don't want to work so hard that I stop enjoying the sport. Tell me more. Um, I am. I'm a natural born talent. Like this is my God given talent. I'm good at this. My first marathon was, I said, Chicago. I ran three thirty three fifteen off the bat. I qualified for Boston by the skin of my teeth. But I'm just like, all right, fine. I know I can do more. I know I can work harder. But I never like. I will train. So that I can get better, but I also will never earnestly chase a time. I'm just gonna go and give the best I have in that moment, whatever my best looks like. So, while yes, I did break three, breaking three wasn't always a goal because, like I said, I don't care about time. Like, I'm just going out there, we're gonna see what happens. Like, that's how it is. In 2020, I was supposed to run, like, COVID just screwed up a whole bunch of things. I was earnestly training to break three. And I mean, like I'm running 50, 60 mile weeks. I'm going to the gym twice a week. I've logged two 20 milers. Then COVID happens. I'm just like, great. But I saw my fitness. I was like, oh, okay. So this makes sense. So that was the last time that, that was the first time that I was like earnestly working towards three. I run London in 2021. And I was kind of like, I was having like some glute hamstring issues. So I was like, you know what? I don't even care at this point. I kind of just want to run, get my six star. I don't care. But New York 2022, now I realize like, okay, I am back in the game. Like I'm training. I'm back in the gym. Again, 60 mile weeks, gym twice a week, 520 milers. Like I'm working. But then we had, it was what? 20 degrees, warmer than usual on marathon Sunday. And I'm on the bridge like, great you know this is wonderful but whatever we're gonna go after it if she dies she dies that's literally (laughs) what i said if she dies she (laughs) dies like like oh my god that's how we well roses i'm with black roses nyc that's who i run with um but we just go out you we don't believe in like conservative racing i'm gonna take out like a bat out of hell So it was just like, and you cannot, you don't ever want to race and feel like you have something left in the tank. I'd rather race and die to know that I gave it all I got as opposed to being conservative and then knowing that I probably could have gave something more. That's why I'm just like, yo, if she dies, she dies. I ran my best race. I PR'd in New York.
0: Wow. (laughs) On that day? On that day, when everybody else had shitty races, and it's not I- like you were a new marathoner. Like this is like you had a lot of marathons under your belt at that point. That's that is one heck of accomplishment. New York was number fourteen.
1: New York was fourteen.
0: Gosh. New York was fourteen. So this is a great dichotomy of like, all right, I mean, but and, and it's also it's just an interesting way to approach it because not everyone does. It. I think this seems like a very healthy way of approaching the sport. Of all right, I'm going to train. With the idea of this, I love this, but I want to make sure I continue to love it. I'm going to train in that manner, but on race day, the conservative approach is now out the window. I'm going the other end of the spectrum, and I'm just going full tilt. So, yes. <laughs> on the on the conservative side of the training element of it, does is that for you? Is that kind of like a backlash to maybe going too hard? At a previous point in your life, either in running or maybe in another endeavor where you experienced like, oh, wow, like I just worked my way out of the love for this, you know, hobby, sport, whatever. And now like you've learned from that mistake.
1: Um, It's because I recognized in like racing and activity, like in running also, what worked for me and how much I have to work to do certain things. And I found my comfortability. So it's just like, if I'm racing too much, I lit like this year I raced what, like four or five times. That's three more times than I usually race. I literally only race twice a year. So I recognize that I, I, I've raced to run. I don't run to race and it's two different things. So that's why I'm just like, I don't want to train so much because racing I have enough respect for the sport where I'm not going to race and just run a race for sake of racing. I want to know that I'm performing to the best of my ability, which means that I have to train. And at my performance level, I have to train hard. So I I know what goes in. And I'm just a diligent person in general. So that's why it always is the way it is. Like, my head is in the sand for four months, every cycle.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about Chicago because I, I love this idea of racing in that manner, and I think it's really interesting. Cause like, and I will talk about your your run group after this because the fact that it's not just something that you've embodied, but it's something that the whole group has taken on. I think is a really interesting, um, a really interesting thing. You mentioned before this racing kind of bat out of the hell kind of vibe. Talk to me about how you set up, you know, your race plan for Chicago. Okay, obviously, as you mentioned, like part of that is being aggressive, but obviously, like there's aggressive and then there's crazy, right? So, how do you toe the line to make sure that you're being aggressive but not doing something that's way beyond sustainable that is something that you wouldn't want to like put yourself Um, into?
1: Well, I usually have like a pace. Well, for this, I had a pace in mind, like because in order to break three, you have to run at least 650. Like, that's the flat out. So what I was thinking, I was just like, my race plan was to take out and whatever that pace looked like, take out. So it could be like 6.30 something. But I was shooting for at least 6.45 to account for like 6.45 pace to account for weaving and getting boxed in and any whatever mishaps. And it worked out because I started like experiencing like cramping at like 13 and then my hip flexor started bothering me around, like, the early 20s. But I already had it in my head, like, this is the pace that you need to run. And if you can't hit that, if you have taken out, at least in the first half, it allows for a cushion in the second. And also, I just mentally prepared, like, hey, today is going to hurt. And you have to fight through the hurt. And I fought through the hurt.
0: I <laughs> love that. Now, how do you approach, as someone who's done this race so many times, How do you approach the early miles where the GPS signal gets all wonky and people who who aren't used to to my watch? I run on vibes. I love that. I love that.
1: If you okay, so I've been doing this ten years now. I've have fifteen marathons under my belt. I've ran Chicago. Chicago is my fourth Chicago. Like at this juncture, with this many miles, I know what pace feels like, and I know what's comfortable. I know what's sustainable. Like, um, I don't, there's no me looking at, like, I need to cross by 126 at the half. I wasn't looking at my watch for anything. It was literally like, okay, this is it. This is what my body can do. And we're just going to do it. Like, I literally go into, like, autopilot, if you will. And that's just how I move. Like, I'm definitely a vibes runner. Like, times mean nothing if you don't feel good. Like, you have to be, you have to know your body in order for you to perform. Like. There's no way around it because what happens if you don't know your body, like you can't tell when your body is shutting down, when something's wrong, times be damned. So you need to know your body.
0: For sure. Now, do you have any cues, whether it's like a marathon or like the 5k or the half marathon or whatever, you can even pick a race. It doesn't even matter where like there's certain cues for you, like for like marathon pace, where like either it's like a breathing rhythm or like how your, how your legs feel under you that, you know, like, all right, this is, this is. The cadence that I want, or the breathing that I want, or just the general, you know, vibes of that pace that automatically click in. Like this is this is the marathon pace that I that I strive for.
1: Um, it's just a feeling. Like you just know. You pretty much just know. I really, I think I had my phone, my watch on like complete elapsed time and not actual lap time, and I would just like glance at it. And I was, like, actually on par. I was I didn't even run that much extra mileage. Like, you know, typically you run, like, an extra, like, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. I wasn't even running that much extra. Like, it felt comfortable because I knew I was strong enough to sa- sustain the pace. And my breathing was calm, making sure that, like, nothing else was throwing me off. Like, heavy breathers, heavy runners. I tend to run away from them because that is very distracting to me. I can't do it. It's the worst thing on earth. People who talk hate that also.
0: <laughs> like So you must not have headphones in, right? So you're going oh, you can no, hear no, no, everything. No.
1: Absolutely not. No. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs>
0: sorry sorry. okay let's let's take a deep dive again because i i go either i like to train with headphones in because i like to listen to like podcasts and stuff but you don't race yet because i don't race i I don't i don't listen to when i race either Mm -mm. okay
1: any anything that requires concentrated effort i will i can't listen to music like even exactly
0: the reason i don't do it it takes energy out of me to listen to it
1: even like i don't even care if it's like background music like i can't do it like I don't care if it's a training run. And I train a lot by myself just based on my schedule. But it's just like, if I'm doing a track workout, if I'm doing a tempo workout, no, their headphones are off. Like I can't, I you have to focus because you need to, again, listen to your body and understand what's going on. Because not only does music kind of throw off your cadence, especially if you're inexperienced, the tempo can mess with your tempo. So you can't do that. And I... My first marathon I had my headphones just in case I thought I needed it but I didn't need it because what you also lose not just listening to your body you don't get to like absorb and appreciate the crowd energy and how much that is also uplifting so that's why I don't race with headphones anymore and it's a safety issue on the course you cannot do that come on there
0: like, you go uh,
1: you I know go. it's am like a stickler but just I mm, just headphones
0: I, <laughs> I agree with you. i and, and i'm with you on this too because especially when i because i've done like the comparison too like all right if i do this workout i'm gonna do like the first couple reps with headphones i don't do it anymore i'm, I'm, I'm always wearing that but i'll like turn the music off or turn the podcast off whatever yeah. for like the reps and like first of all like i definitely run faster when i'm not listening to something because you can cue in because it takes yeah. Especially if you're listening to something um you know, even if it's background music, but definitely if it's not, if it's like an audio book or a podcast, like your brain is synthesizing this stuff and it's not focusing on what you're doing. And then there have been time there I've had races where I've listened I've like done what you described for your first marathon of like, all right, I'm gonna wear this just in case near the end, if I need a little boost. Where I've had some races where like I didn't use it, like Richmond, where like there was really good crowd support near the end. Like didn't need it. It was great other race bros like there's nobody out here so it was like it was nice to have it as like a little boost at mile like 24 again it was like music was like already curated like i know what song is coming on like yeah, all right but here that's we the go
1: thing. if you know what like even when i race sometimes it doesn't happen anymore. I think about my playlist. So the song is already playing in my head. So it doesn't make a difference. I don't need the headphones. Like, like yes, I know what i will be listening to right now. Like, that
0: that's... is funny. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it. The safety issue for sure, right? There are some people who, again, especially in a big city marathon where there's people everywhere, you definitely have to definitely yeah. have to be aware Hey, everybody. I want to give a shout out to John G, my favorite running apparel company. I love their shorts so much. They are so comfortable. I don't even realize they're on. No chafing whatsoever. In pockets galore for all the goofs. And I wore their pants on my first ultra. They weren't even sponsoring the show at the time. I just love them so much. If you go to John G.com, that's janj icom you can use code Rambling to save 15% on your order for the best attire in the world with a five-year guarantee. My goodness. Okay, let's get back to the podcast. So you go out, you know what you're doing, you're running six running, you know, low six forties, mm-hmm. first half or so. Uh you come through the you come through the half, you know, in the 128s. you mentioned things start it was it wasn't perfect. Oh no. <laughs> the body the body oh, wasn't really? wasn't completely oh, no. acting the way you wanted to act. So talk to me about some of the hiccups that came along the way and more importantly, how you dealt with them.
1: Okay, so I took off fine and I felt fine for the first half. And let's just say in the morning, I was a little concerned because I don't race in clothes. You can see from my race photos, like I, I'm basically racing in bikini. I can't race in anything less. That's just anything more, I should say. So there's that. Um, But 13, I'm coming through, I was like, okay, I feel good. And then it's just like, my quad started tightening up on me. And I'm just like, Ew. and it's just like, also you have to recognize that I also have never ran this fast before. So it's just like, I'm putting my body through something it's never done before. Because I also like, yeah, people go for like half marathon pace training. Admittedly, I've never done that. I have never earnestly ran like heavy, heavy marathon pace training. Like, have I tapped into it? Yes, but for a whole, like a whole long run? More than like 10 miles? No, Danielle was never doing anything like that. And it's no, this is not disparagement of like Knox's coaching or anything like that. That's just not me. Any surprises that I get on race day are purely surprises because I've never ran that fast. But I digress. So I'm like, okay, you're tired. But it's not entirely, it's just tightness. Like you just got to run through it. So I'm just like, you can run through this. That's fine. But then around 21, around that time, my hip flexor starts to tighten. I'm just like, "Uh, it's getting spooky now.
0: Is that an injury or like, a? is that, is that like a, is that a normal thing for you? Like when you get fatigued, this is what goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just fatigue. I've like, I recognize that. And this is all on my left side because my left side is my stronger side. Like, that's the leg that I push off on. It's it's the leg that I kick stronger with when I'm in the pool. Like, that's that's my power leg. And it's the leg doing all the work. So it makes sense for it to be tired and tight and more fatigued than my right. Like, there's no real balance on that. But I'm just like, okay, it's 20-something. You only got a couple of miles left. And I'm just like, all right, 21, 22. 23 I'm just like you have 5k left this is about 20 minutes or so left get to 24 and I'm just like Jesus take the wheel at this point because I need all the help and at that time like my teammate Kamiko, she comes up and we're like not running together but enough we're just like she's like go get after it like you're good you got it go get after it 25 I'm just like oh my god I have a mile and a quarter left and I'm like a mile and a quarter. And now I'm doing all the calculus in my head because like something I do to distract me. Sometimes I'll try to like calculate my splits, just like looking at a clock and break it down. So it's distracting. So I'm not paying attention to the pain, I should say. So at like mile 25, a mile and a quarter or maybe a mile and a half. I'm just like, okay, you have about 11 to 12 minutes. That's enough time. You could run a mile and a half in, in 12 minutes. And I think that's a standard for like the Navy or something like that. Cause I had a friend in Navy, like, yeah, they give you a mile. They give you 12 minutes to run a mile and a half. Like, that's a joke. That's not anything. Cause I could do that. And then I get to, I get to what I, I do that. I'm just like, you, you can do that. You're not running any seven 30. So you're good. I get to 26 and it's a quarter mile left. I'm like 26, you have two minutes left. That's an eight minute
0: mile. Look <laughs> that's it, am- look that's it, some it. easy math, even for a marathoner. Like, <laughs> here we go. I,
1: I kid you not. I felt like my legs were about to fall off. Like Thanos was about to snap and I was just crumbling. Okay. <laughs> and I'm fighting, fighting, fighting. And I run to the finish and I stopped my watch when I crossed the second like pad. And I saw two, lost it, lost it, lost it because- it's not so much yes I knew what I just did but I also knew what how much I had to fight in those la- in that last hour to do what I did. And yeah, a whole lot of ugly tears. I've been crying on and off since Sunday. So-
0: <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Now, when you're going through those struggles of like working through that injury, especially when you're like you have this time goal, you're really trying to get every th- every little thing out of your body, do you Again, and sometimes it can vacillate, and sometimes there's a range. It's not an either or question. But do you tend to go more internal with your focus to get through those times, or is it better for you to go external and focus on things outside of yourself internal. to get the most? Okay, internal.
1: Have to do, go internal because no one else can run your race for you. No one else can feel your race for you. And as a person who trains primarily by themselves, you have to dig by yourself. So. It's always looking deep, like, sure, I appreciate the support, the like, you got it, you're pushing, but at that point, all of that is just white noise. I'm digging deep, like six feet. I'm digging, digging, digging. Like, I dug for that.
0: I love dug. it. Yeah, because sometimes we'll ask people this question. I'll get, again, there's no right answer, just whatever works for you. I'll get people who say that they get through it. By not focusing on like the like, people cheering, but like the other runners, like all right, like hey buddy, you can you got this? Like, They'll see someone who's also struggling, and they'll like they'll work through their stuff by not focusing on it, by like helping this other yeah, person. I didn't, I'm like this I didn't is see, that's interesting.
1: I, I didn't see like Kamiko was there, and she finished like 40 seconds behind me, and she was just like her voice, and it's and I think the only reason why I can acknowledge it is because I knew her but everybody oh, else yeah. may as well not have been there because all I saw was Danielle and finish line. That is it. I, that was all I was focused on.
0: So did she break three as well, or did she start um, right around where you she, started? She
1: ran three flat 09, but she broke three in Berlin last year. So oh. so right now... Um, you got some fast friends, Danny. Kamiko is not <laughs> black, but she is one of the... Right now, it's six of us on the team female wise that broke three. Wow. So, so the three, three other black women on my team are also on the list. So it's like a complete <laughs> honor to like be like, we literally have, I was joking with Knox about this when we were out. So this is Knox Robinson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, I was joking like, yo, we have a full like relay for sub three.
0: Like this that's, is historic. This is a historic running group.
1: Like it's crazy. It's crazy. And I know a lot. Of, I know a few of, Of the people on the list already, but it's just like for three of them to be my teammates, Mm. that's insane.
0: It is. So in your community with a running group like that, have you found that and maybe I don't know if this is something that you guys endeavor to do or if this is just something that can come from. The level of output that y'all are putting out. But do you find other people who see this kind of success and people getting a lot out of themselves and people want to be part of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it's just, I think the sub threes are a result of the work, Mm -hmm. but I can't say that it was like, it was, it turned into a goal, but the, the goal of the collective is just, just to be better, to be quite honest. It's not like that's a cherry on top. We have the cake. Like that's just, that's just what it is. Um, but yeah, people are attracted to that because why wouldn't you want to join a collective that can draw that kind of potential out of you? And you know, it works for some of us. So, and when I say some of us, I mean like Members have come and gone and that sort of thing. And that's just the nature of any kind of group. But, you know, you find you find your collective. It doesn't have to be us. There are many crews in the New York City, City area. Oh, that's for sure. You can develop skills that not... Ugh, let me rephrase that. You will develop skills, but you can be developed in the way that you want to be developed. Because not everybody can be coached the same.
0: So... How would you describe the culture and the vibes around the Black Roses? Because you mentioned that there's a lot of running groups in New York City, and not everything works for everybody, right? You want to find yeah. everyone wants these Everyone needs to find the group that works for them at that point in their life. So how would you describe your group when people ask about it?
1: Fun and intense.
0: Fun and intense.
1: Yeah. Like, people, want, like, are attracted to the speed. But the thing is that people don't realize how well people do realize but like we work really hard to gain that speed so it's just like are you willing to work and a lot of people aren't willing to work in general and this is again i'm not dragging any crews i'm not dragging any persons but like if you don't want to run like 16 400s on a tuesday night i don't know if this is a collective for you you know that sort of thing like
0: yeah Hey. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's like, you you know what you're, you should know what you're willing to do, what you're willing to get out of it. And if that's your thing, great. If it's not, then you can find another thing. But with that being said, you have a busy life. So what's it like for you in terms of like meeting up with run groups, like the Black Rose, like how often do you get to run with them? How does it work with your schedule? Because I know that for a lot of people, you know, you know, especially like, I guess it's a little bit trickier. You know, for certain people than others, like whether how far away they are from certain groups and their own schedule and things like that. So what's it been like in terms of folding the Black Roses run schedule into your own life and maximizing both?
1: Um, well, I run with them when I can because it really does not work for my schedule like it used to. But based on like my work schedule now and where I live, it's harder for me to get to like Williamsburg where we train. But If we have like an actual like workout where we apply the term collective efficacy, where we're like, you know, basically drawing on each other's energy and working together for a common goal, that's when I'll intentionally like shift my schedule and move things around so I can run with them. But, you know, you make time for things that you want. And that's, it's as simple as that. The only reason why I'm able to run the way I am is also because I have no problems and I have enough discipline to train on my own. So it's not like a lot of people in general don't like doing track work by themselves. I don't have a problem with that because I can do it by myself. So it again, those things are all individual, but it's just like, if I need them, they are there. I can say that.
0: Right. And if they need you, you're there. Yes. Absolutely. Gotcha. That sounds great. So when did marathoning or, Distance running, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be marathon focused, but when did distance running become a major part of your life?
1: Uh, at this point, mm, like 12 years ago.
0: Can you, can you walk me through those early years? Like what, what brought it to you?
1: So I like, let's go way, way back, back into time. Um, I ran in high school. I was a 800 runner. Um, cross-country was my strongest season. It was also indicative, even then, that the longer I ran, the better I ran. So let's leave that there. Um, I didn't run in college because my major did not allow for me to sleep, let alone run. So there's that.
0: Um, what did you study in college?
1: I was an architecture major first. Oh, good and-
0: God. <laughs> when you first said that, I was like, this sounds like an architecture major. And I'm like, All right, I got to ask.
1: Yeah, so I was architecture major first, and then I realized that that was the closest route to suicide and I changed my major to engineering and I started getting more sleep and was much nicer. (laughs) Happy ending. Um, But I didn't have time to do it in undergrad. I would run sporadically. But in 2010, 2011, um, my best friend of 20 plus years got diagnosed with breast cancer and she had to lose weight for surgery. So, at the time, we both lived near the park, so I would just run with her, just company, support, whatever, and she's fine now. Complete remission, 10 years, blah, blah, um, not blah, blah, as it is breast cancer month, Um, but I never stopped running. So three miles became five, became seven, and I independently just was like, let's see what my body could do. Me and my little crappy Nike app with my arm sleeve and you know running across the bridge, trying sport beans, like literally ignorant of everything possible.
0: Nothing screams like I'm new to this and sports beans and the Nike app. I love, I love that. Man, it was it was twenty eleven. What was I supposed hey, to do? I've been there too, man. I had mapped my run on my phone. I had I had all that same. Who did it? Stuff. Who
1: did it? Were you even outside if you didn't have these apps? Like, Sports
0: beans. Oh my god! So, that, like I I that that I had put that somewhere else in my mind. I, that was like a blast from the past.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um. So I did that, and I just never stopped running. And one day, yeah, this is gonna sound insane, but I ran from my house in Brooklyn to the middle of the George Washington Bridge, seventeen miles. I have, no mar- I have no concept of fueling like that. I have no idea. I took the train home, but it's just like-, was
0: like That was me. be my next question. like That's an odd did, place to did, turn around. Didn't
1: it, did it know not a damn thing. Like, what are you doing? I was hurt the next couple of days. Not like injured, but like sore. But at that point, all my friends were just like, you are running for no damn reason. Please find something to do with your time. So that being said, and all of a sudden, you know- The, the, the little FBI agent on your phone, all these algorithms start popping up, like sign up for team lymphoma and leukemia society team and training. Boom. I sign up for New York city half for March, 2020, March, 2013. And I trained with them from the fall of 20, yeah, 2012 to the spring. And I was like, yeah, I did it. I ran one forty something, one forty eight or something like that. And I finished, I'm just like, damn, people run twice this? This is insane. Signed up for the Brooklyn half, and that wasn't anything. And that race was literally like $60 in 2012. What highway robbery it is now. I digress. Um, just like, And it's yeah.
0: jammed. That race is a lot of people.
1: Yes. Oh but my I'm just goodness. Like, How do people run twice this? I signed up for a full three months later under the same team. Chicago. I was like, what is wrong with me? Everything is wrong with me. And all right, I train with them. So I'm training with them. And that summer one of my friends had a connection to like, you've heard of Bridge Runners. Yeah. Yeah. So my friend's like, oh yeah, you should run with Bridge Runners. Blah blah blah. So I run with Bridge Runners. And my first run with them was I think it might have been like July 3rd or something like that. Cause it was definitely close to fourth of July. And that whole summer I'm just training. I'm just running with them on Wednesday nights. I'm doing my long run with team and training on the weekends. And I'm seeing like, yeah, my stamina is growing because I'm doing the training, but also bridge runners. I will forever be indebted to bridge runners because it made me the runner that I am. And it introduced me to black roses. Like I'm going from meek following stop signs and traffic lights to run like a crazy person in the middle of the street with no regard for traffic. No, I do have regard for traffic, but like literally it just, it took my fear of running in the streets away and I'm just able to run much more free than I was when I started running. So yeah, like that, that's what happened and rock Chicago. And then I met up, I was running with them, like another, I want to say like another full year after that. And then it was at the DC, then DC women's half, the Nike DC women's half that I met Knox. That was April. And then I got invited to train with them for fall 2014. And I've been with Black Roses since. So like that, that's my progression in terms of like racing. So I had gotten into the lottery. So it was like Chicago, 2013, New York, 2014, Boston 2015, Boston 2016, Chicago 2016, uh Berlin and New York 2017, Boston 2018, Chicago 2018, Tokyo and Boston 2019, London 2019.
0: Here, 20- here comes the engineer brain, just rolling out numbers. Just rolling London, them out. Tw-
1: London 21, <laughs> New York 22, Chicago
0: 23. That is incredible. All right. With that said. When we go through like the numerology of it, it sounds like, oh, this sounds nice and smooth. Look at that. Like she started as a BQ, running sub three now, nice and tidy, but yep. that's never the story. So, what are some of the hurdles along the way that really tested you, either in terms of like the running side or wanting to stick with it? And sometimes it can be a little bit of both because there's, um, always, there's always these trials and tribulations that come with any 10 year odyssey like this.
1: Let's see. I think one of my harder, one of my hardest experiences, why does it always like, let's see, 20s, 2016, Boston was like, a hot year. That was a year that was the first race that I thought I would have like DNF'd because it was so hot that I walked and I ran 338 that year, just like disappointed. Like there was a lot of stuff leading up to that. It was just like, I was in like, a not a good headspace, like for the whole training cycle. But I kind of just did it because it was on my schedule. Um, And then to, like, walk during a race and feeling like I was, like, failing, that sucked. Like, and that also, that race also gave me, like, heat trauma. So it took me a while for me to, like, be comfortable running in the heat again. And I've since gotten over that just because I started, like, forcing myself to go out and, like, run in warmer temperatures so my body is acclimated to... The terrible temperatures, which is why fast forward to last year in New York, I'm just like, if she dies, she dies. I'm out here. I don't care anymore. Like, there's that. So
0: That's a that's a great example of, of learning from a tough yeah. time.
1: You you have to you have to adapt because yes, I've done hot. Guess what? I also ran Boston the hypothermic year. Survive that by just thinking about people who I would see at certain checkpoints. So when it comes to weather, nothing scares me anymore. Like, Oh, it's cold. Great. It's hot. Great. It's perfect. Great. I don't care anymore.
0: Don't all care. Right. I had a question <laughs> that's been like itching at my brain for the ahead. past like 20 minutes. I was like, all right, we're going along this journey. We're going to keep asking questions along this line. But I want to ask because you mentioned before and you described it eloquently in terms of like, Hey, time is relative. That stuff doesn't matter. you just do what you can do, you race hard and but we're all the same. you know, your race is your race and you know you as you put it, your medal shines just as bright as anyone else's. Yep. With that said, you also talked about how like you've been cry- you were crying nonstop for a couple of days after that race. So because talk to people, me about the impact that that race had because obviously it had a major one.
1: It like I I'm, I'm weird. I'm a definite head case when it comes to racing and I will never deny that. Like, like I told you, like the first time that I wanted to break three was 2020. It didn't happen. New York, I was going for it. But it was like, you know, New York, I had the mindset, like, I'm going to try to break three. I'm going to attempt to break three. I'm going to see what happens. But either way, I was just like, you know what? I know that I'm going to get a PR because of how hard I trained. So it's almost like I had made a cushion for myself. But this cycle, I was like, nah, we are not intradic- introducing hypotheticals. There will be no ifs. There will be no attempts. This is happening today, and I don't care what it takes. That's why, like, my mental, my focus and my mental and how I looked at it shifted entirely. I was completely engaged. Like, there were no other options but sub three. I didn't care if it was 259.59, I was going sub
0: three. That brings up an interesting point because this the emotions that are tied with committing at that level often is the reason that people don't commit to that level. Right. Because they know that, like, if I put all of this into it, it's scary. and then it doesn't happen. It's scary. what does that mean for it's me? It's
1: so scary. It's so scary. Like I had to people did their best not to bother me about it, especially after New York last year. Like, hey, are you going for sub three in your next one? I'm just like, please go away, like, do not bother me. But like this year, people saw what my long runs were looking like. It was like, you are going to decimate Chicago. Like, you're you're getting it this time. And as it was creeping closer, I knew that like, if, you're, if your goals do not scare you, they are not big enough. Every time I started thinking about Chicago, my heart rate went up. My heart started beating faster. I'm just like, okay, you need to not think about this because you're getting nervous for a race that is not even here yet. You're not, you don't even know what your race kit looks like and you are panicked. So I was just like, okay, all right. Just had to, I just had to keep my head down and I had to avoid conversations. So when it came to race day, I literally like, I'm glad that we the people i was with we unintentionally got like separated and i was able to just stay in my own zone for like warm up going into the corral and just being by myself and just like focusing on me and the race and nothing more like it's it's so scary but i also had to deal with the reality like hey it couldn't also not happen and how will you process that and yes it would have been painful but you know, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. There's other marathons you can do. You can go and add it and, you know, you can go after it again. You can try again. Like, I can try to do it again. I can try to run faster. I know I could run faster. But it's just like, you have to, you have to do it when it feels right. And you have to do things even when you, like, not that you don't feel ready, but you have to do things when you're scared, too.
0: Yeah. And I, I love the the way you described like the the visceral like reaction. Like people people aren't going to see this. This is an audio podcast. But like the the physical like the physicality you brought to like oh when people were trying to bring it up, just like ah get away from me, because you, there is that that element of it. Right, you have this big goal. That people are like cheering you on, right? They have the best of intentions for you. They, they're trying to engage with you in the process because they're your friends and they care and they, they love you and all that. Let, like, but it can be a lot. It can be a lot it's to so carry.
1: overwhelming. And me personally, I don't respond well to badgering either. Like mm. le- people, when they see the potential, whether or not you see it yet, yes, they want the best for you. But sometimes you can't, hounding just makes it worse. Like that, that doesn't help. And also one thing I kept on telling people, even before I myself decided to break through, I'm just like, have you asked me what I wanted? Not what you want to see. Have you asked me what I want to see? Cause it doesn't matter what you think. It's how I feel at the end of the day, your body's not doing the work. You have to ask me how I feel. And a lot of people realize like, oh, I never asked how you felt. I'm like, exactly. Exactly.
0: There you there go. You go. It's, tough. it's tough but at the same time you were able to manage that and you had the race of your life which is Danny congratulations and thank you so much for walking us through every step of it it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you and to hear all about it
1: thank you for having me